Welcome to Fountain of Life Worship Center's podcast. We're glad you're here with us today. Today you will hear a message previously recorded from our pastor, youth pastor, or a guest speaker. Join us as we know God, grow in God, and go with God today. Let's jump into the message. First Samuel chapter 1, or chapter 11, verse 1. Now Nahash, the Ammonite, came up and besieged Jabesh-Gilead, and all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve you. But Nahash, the Ammonite, said to them, I will make it with you on this condition, that I will gouge out the right eye of every one of you. Thus I will make it a reproach on all Israel." The elders of Jabesh said to him, Let us alone for seven days that we may send messengers throughout the territory of Israel. Then if there is no one to deliver us, we will come out to you. Quitters. (laughs) Then the messengers came to Jebei of Saul And spoke these words in the hearing of the people, and all the people lifted up their voices and wept. Now behold, Saul was coming from the field behind the oxen and said, What is the matter with the people that they weep? So they related to him the words of the men of Jabesh. Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul mightily. And when he heard these words, he became very angry. He took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces and sent them throughout the territory of Israel by hand of a messenger, saying, Whoever does not come out after Saul and after Saul, shall it be done to his oxen. Then the dread of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out as one man. He numbered them in Bezak, and the sons of Israel, 300,000, and the men of Judah, 30,000, and said to the messengers who had come, Thus you shall say to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, Tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you will have deliverance. So the messengers went and told the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. Then the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will come out to you, and you may do to us whatever seems good to you. The next morning Saul put the people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the camp at the morning, watch, and struck down the Ammonites until the heat of the day. Those who survived were scattered, so that no two of them were left together." I want to talk today on being radical, and in this portion of Scripture, Saul represents a radical believer, a radical Christian, and 
We, we use that word radical a lot of times in a, in, a, in a bad sense because a lot of times when we think radical, we think of people flying airplanes through World Trade Centers. We, 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 we uh, strapping bombs to them and, and blowing people up and we consider that radical. But you know, it's time that we have some radical Christians that would live out a life for God. Radical means extremist, far beyond the norm, over the top, even to the point of being called crazy. We need some crazy Christians. If there was ever a time that we need crazy Christianity, it's now. There, there are all kinds of radical people in the world we live in today. There are people who do all kinds of radical things, extreme things, crazy things. In fact, they even, I think ESPN uh, still has, every so often they have the X Games where these people do stupid things on motorcycles and skis and, and uh, just, they, it's radical. They're crazy. Who would have ever thought it would be fun to go do flips with a motorcycle? Radical people. We've gotten so used to seeing people in the secular world doing all kinds of crazy stuff, extreme stuff, over-the-top stuff, but we're not used to seeing Christians getting crazy. Christians have taken on the convenient Christianity mindset. That's what we have. We have convenient Christianity syndrome. I'll diagnose this this morning. Saul, we've been talking about David on Wednesday nights, and Saul's kind of got a bad rap. We, we've not talked about the godly side of Saul. We've just talked about the deranged lunatic that was always chasing David. But there was times that Saul w- was really a man after God's heart himself and, and was radical. And this is one of those times, uh, you know, he, he, he was anointed, anointed king of Israel. We tend to forget that. We want to, you know, we want to we want to kind of talk about the bad things that that Saul did, but Saul was anointed by God to be king. And if you remember, David even said, "Touch not thine anointed." David had a chance to kill him and he didn't because he recognized that God had anointed him king. So, there is something about the anointing that I want to talk about this morning, that that it sets us apart from everybody else. You see, the anointing is the power of the Holy Ghost. It's not natural. The anointing is, it changes a person. The anointing produces a boldness that you don't have in the natural. The anointing, it gives you somewhat of a a fearlessness when you're walking in the anointing of God. Something like a man when he was facing the prophets of Baal and stood before them by himself. He was not fearful of what they would do to him. The anointing, it makes us aggressive. And it confronts air. You see, our text, the people, they're crying, they're sad, but, and, and it kind of got contagious because it made other people sad. But it made Saul mad. It said that Saul became angry. He got angry at the enemy. He was so angry at the willingness of the people to just compromise and say, we quit. We give up, we'll give up our right eye to the enemy. How stupid can you be? 
just so I don't have to confront you and face you, just take my right eye and, 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 and I'll just compromise and be with you. You see, they made an agreement with an enemy to avoid a fight. Does it sound like the church of 2021? We've made a covenant, we've made an agreement with the enemy because the church has refused to fight. We've become a wimpy Christianity that does not want to put on the armor of God anymore and go to battle. Just devil, do whatever you want. You can take my right eye. You can take my children. You can take my grandchildren. Just as long as I don't have to fight, make me comfortable. Oh, boy. It's going to, it is one of those days. I'm sorry. We've made an agreement with the enemy so that we don't have to fight. Saul became... An angry man, but an anointed man. And the anointing of the Lord came upon Saul, and he became angry. Well, how can you be a Christian and be angry? He was anointed and angry. We live in a day of compromise. The church, we're agreeing with the enemy just to avoid a fight. This day, of we're, we're backing down and backing up, and we live in a day happy that we, as pastors, we have diluted the gospel to fit people with sin in their life so we don't make them mad. We're trying to get along with everybody and everything. You cannot be a Christian and get along with this world. It's not going to happen. So many, we have lost the fire of God because we've compromised. We have settled for a form of godliness and we've denied the power thereof. I tell you, God is raising up some men and women who are going to be more than just church attenders. We don't need church attenders no more. We need Holy Ghost filled body of Christ. More than just, Pastor, I want to become a member. He wants to do an extreme makeover. <laughs> Radical believers that are going to shake up and wake up a sleeping church world. In fact, he's going to raise up some people who are just like Saul. They're anointed and they're angry. Angry at the devil. Angry that the spirit of compromise has gripped the church. Angry at this religious spirit that rejects the cross. And it's, now it's not acceptable, Pastor. You shouldn't be preaching about the blood of Jesus Christ because that freaks my kids out. I'm so sick of hearing that trash. If the blood of Jesus freaks your kids out and you go home and turn on Netflix and let them watch everything in the world with blood, guts, and glory, and Jesus' blood makes you sick and makes them scared. <laughs> I'm glad somebody gets it. We've compromised so much that there's no conviction of sin no more because we don't want to preach on it no more. Well, what if I make a happy mad and he don't come to church no more? Well, I make happy mad and he don't come to church no more. <laughs> Angry at a spirit behind our pulpits that calls everybody saved regardless of how they live. Oh, yeah. We've got a spirit of passiveness in our church, and it's been here for a long time. 
we become so comfortable, amazingly comfortable, and casual in our attitudes towards sin. We've gotten this mindset that we need to be a a seeker-friendly church and we've got a seeker-friendly mentality and a seeker-friendly attitude to make everybody happy and to make, I mean, you got to be comfortable in church. Well, I've come to tell you, God did not call me to have you comfortable sitting in a church seat. And if you are comfortable, I'm messing up. God has called me to challenge every believer in this room. The new trend is, Adam, get rid of anything that would, you know, would, uh, would offend the seeker. Well, that's the problem. That's why we're not seeing nobody saved no more, because they don't know they need to be saved. Don't be preaching that kind of stuff, pastor, that offends. You know, the cross, the altar, the blood. Heaven forbid you mention speaking in tongues in a Pentecostal church anymore. We don't want to mess people up and not come no more. I mean, we, uh, emotional responses to the Spirit. I mean, my goodness. People look at Jacob when he runs and like, what's that dude doing? We need more of that. You never hear sermons that even mention the word hell anymore. Or condemn sin or sinful lifestyles. Old school. It's not appropriate anymore. You shouldn't do that. They ran too many people off. No, they didn't. They had packed crowds and we have nobody. They filled a tent up on a Friday night. We can't even fill a church up on a Sunday morning. All this stuff's got to be removed. You can't preach like that no more. We've got to make the sinner comfortable. We've made everybody comfortable. And we've taken, I shall not be moved, literally. We've become trees planted by waters that's never moved. Have we ever thought that that's the problem? We've become dignified. We laugh when they say they used to shout the bobby pins out of their hair. I'd like to see some of you women mess your hair up in church one day. (laughs) I'm going to get in trouble before it's over with. We've become dignified and prideful. Have we ever thought that our seeker-friendly mindset, that we don't want to offend anybody, that we are offending the one that we're supposed to be pleasing? God is not pleased with seeker-friendly mentality. Well, pastor, we can't run our numbers off. Money, attendance, and performance runs the show now. Heaven forbid the Holy Ghost move and Shelby need prayer. We can't mess up our paper, our little paper schedules. Oh, my Lord, Pastor, it said we were supposed to sing this song and you got to pray for, you can't pray for somebody right now. I wish somebody would take that clock down back there. I hate that thing. We've gotten, that's killed us. We're in a hurry all the time. 
to do nothing. Going churches, and they, they, set their, they set it for an hour and a half, and when it hits five, I, I got to close, I got to close. If you need the Lord, come back next week. Got five minutes. We want programs and entertainment, smoke and lights, and God wants anointing and breakthrough. Church, breakthrough is not coming in three songs and a poem. God, mess us up. Used to be God's people would linger around the altars waiting on God to change their lives, to save their, to, to save their families, to fill them with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And now we're praying, God, don't let pastor preach too long or the praise team sing one too many songs because, God, I love you, but my crock pot, is, it's on. My family adventure today is really important. Don't ruin it by showing up. We're laughing, but it's the truth. Some of y'all are already mad. Y'all got, you got mad when I said crockpot, because you're already thinking about yours. God changed some hearts. I feel a change in atmosphere where the Holy Spirit, he, he's going to deal with some church people. And, and there's going to be a shakening and an awakening. Something is getting ready to change. God's going to find a remnant somewhere. There's somebody sitting in this congregation this morning, somebody that we've never even noticed, somebody that we've never even was, would have suspected. There's an anointing getting ready to fall on somebody, oh boy, a mantle that God is getting ready to place on them, and they're going to stand under the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and they're going to be like an Elijah to this generation. They are not going to be seduced by this adulterous spirit of idolatry that's all in the church and, and witchcraft. And I mean, we have a hypnotized church. There's some people that are about to stand in the boldness of John the Baptist and declare, Behold, he's coming. One whose shoes I'm not worthy to tie. He's coming. Repent and be baptized. There's some people that are going to stand and they're not going to be afraid to call black, black, and white, white. We have a soft soap sin now. That's what we've done to it. We've sugarcoated the Word of God. We need some people that will put a difference between the clean and the unclean. Adam, we need some people that will say that's vile and God's pure. Oh, that vile word, man, that's nasty. We shouldn't use that. It's used quite often in the Bible. You got a problem with it, take it up with him. We need some people that will stand in this generation and say this is right and this is wrong. This is righteousness and this is sin. 
Got too many people in the church, we're worried about fitting in. We ain't supposed to fit in. We're not of this world. They're not going to care about being popular with people. They're, I mean, I want some people that are clothed with the zeal of God. Some people that will find their passion again. And their only concern is going to be, I don't care who I make mad, I just want to please God. Radical. I'm angry. Seeker-friendly pastors always talking all the time. And I know I'm going to mess y'all up right here and people are going to be mad. And, but we, we talk about uh, homosexuality and lesbians and fornicators and Muslims and adulterers. And, and, and Oh, they're just on a journey. They're just on a journey. And they're in a different place in their journey, and we just got to give everybody time to become who they're supposed to be in God. We don't have time to be preaching such a lie. That's the, that's the gospel that Oprah preaches. We don't have time to be lying and candy-coating the powerful gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the problem. Because the problem with that message is, is that we're carrying that and we're all on this same journey and we're all in different places. We're just different places along the road. And the truth is, there's only two roads. There is the Broadway that leadeth to destruction, the way that seems right unto man but in the end is death. And then there's a narrow way, the Bible says, that leads to eternal life. And Brother Kennedy, it says, few be there that find it. I'm sick of this garbage. You just serve God the way you do and it'll all be all right. No, it won't. It may be popular to say. But the truth is, is if you have not confessed your sin and received the blood of Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for your sins and forsaken your sins and turned your back to this world, you are not saved. That's popular. You're lost and you're on a Broadway that leadeth to destruction. It doesn't matter how far you are on this journey. If it's down the wrong road, it's not the right road. If you don't receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior and forsake your sins, you are eternally lost. I know that's not popular, but Shelby, it's the truth. And I say it because I love you. There is still a place called hell. And there are people in that place that wish to God they had one more chance to say, I repent. Popularity TV preachers. Well, my view on this topic is evolving. That's exactly right, my view. My view is evolving. There is no evolving church. God called it sin, it's sin, the word changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I love the fact that God is not willing that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. If he called it a sin then, it's a sin now. There is an anointing that's being stirred up right now in the church. And when these people start standing and declaring the unadulterated truth of God's Word, a lot of sleepy, sloppy, lazy Christians are going to recognize the anointing and they're going to accuse you of being angry. 
Well, can I tell you something? It's time somebody gets angry. Let me ask you this. How many gets angry when they see cancer stealing the life of a loved one? How many get angry when they see a child being abused? How many get angry when they see struggling people under the burden of debt? How many get angry when you see drugs and alcohol rip apart a family and individuals? Does anybody get angry over that stuff? How about when millions and millions of babies are aborted in the name of convenience? Doesn't it make us angry when fornication and adultery and gambling and getting sloppy drunk are accepted practices in the church? Doesn't it make you angry when you see billboards that say, come and join us for beer and hymns? No, yeah, it's Tuesday nights. Bingo's on Thursday. I pray to God somebody gets angry. We wonder what's wrong with the church. When anointed people get angry, the devil's in trouble. When Jesus saw them buying and selling in the temple, he got angry. In fact, he made a whip. It's time some of us take our belt off. Jesus, happy, the most anointed man that ever lived. Adam and he's, I mean, the spirit without measure. And he gets angry and cleans up the house of God. He was anointed. He was angry. A lot of people say he was radical. It's time the church cleans the temple of God. Your life, your heart. The devil has gotten away with too much because the church is too passive. Not wanting to rock the boat. I don't want to be singled out or be called a troublemaker. Paul and Peter would have never made it in today's church. We would have hung them. The church would have martyred them. When we find Saul in this story, he's just like the church. He's hid among the stuff. He's hid, just blending in. Not wanting to rock the boat. I don't want to be a troublemaker. I'm just, you know, whatever the crowd wants, that's what we're going to do. And God finds him hiding. And he says, Saul, they ain't no more undercover Christians. I need you to get angry. 1 Samuel chapter 10, verse 27 says, But certain workless men said, How can this one deliver us? And they despised him and did not bring him any present, but he kept, but he kept silent. They could not see how Saul, God could do anything with Saul. There are people who are going to look at you, and they're going to despise you. They're going to criticize you. Matter of fact, they're not even going to appreciate you. They cannot see where you're going. This guy's going nowhere. 
They can't see you doing anything. They can't see, I mean, they don't even know who you were, or that's all they see is who you were, but they cannot see where you're going. And you know what? They would be right, except for the anointing. (laughs) The anointing changes everything. The Bible says that in verse 6 says, Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul mightily. When he heard these words, he became very angry. This was a man who was anointed to be angry. It was the anointing that turned this quiet, shy, backward young Saul into a radical. When the anointing came upon Saul, it turned him into a different person. He became radical. This young man, Maria, who was, I mean, he was afraid of everything and everybody. This man that was so stinking jealous of David was shy and bashful. He tried to hide from everything. And when the anointing comes on Saul, he turns into a different man and a boldness comes out of him. Fearless, righteous fury. It rises up in Saul, and I believe that same kind of anointing is going to come on some radicals in 2021. Some of you have just been quiet and passive and hiding among the stuff, and God's about to say, I'm going to wake some passive, quiet people up. Do you know that there's a young man back here that preaches in our church getting ready to get married that, what, eight years ago? It would have terrified you. I mean, you'd have cried walking to this pulpit. And now he's one of the most anointed young ministers I know. That's called anointing. To hear his story and to know his story, he would have crawled under a chair before he got to this pulpit. A lot of you, you've just been satisfied in the background. Behind the scenes, pastor, I'm operating in stealth, zone, you know, stealth mode. I don't want nobody to see me. God's calling some of y'all out of that. There's an anointing coming on you. That anointing is going to separate you and set you forth, and you're going to stand where people thought you'd never stand before. It's going to be fire. Shut up in your bones. It's about ready to come out a boldness in you, and you're going to wake up, sleeping saints. (laughs) Some of you are about to stand and start rebuking this spirit of of being passive in the church and all the indifference that's in the church. When the people around Saul heard the news of the messenger, the Bible says, happy they lifted their voices and they were weeping. I mean, they are sad. I've got to give up my right eye. Not even a thought of fight. When Saul hears it, the anointing comes on him and the madman starts cutting oxen. 
People that had known him days before probably thought, this dude has lost his last mind. He went crazy. I mean, he took a yoke of oxen and cut them into pieces and said, here, spread this throughout town and tell them if they don't follow me into battle, this is what's going to happen to theirs. That would be like me coming and slicing your chihuahua. This is what will happen to your oxen, to anyone who refuses to follow me into battle. Now fears fell on them because crazy man's cutting up oxen. Clean up, you'll come to the piano. The fact is, today, the church, we have gone a long way the wrong way. I say it all the time, we went from one end of the spectrum to everything was wrong to the other end, nothing's wrong. We never stopped in the middle. The problem is, is that this modern day church, what, what at one time was recognized as compromise and sin and letting down our standard today, it's just called the new morality. Well, they tell us on the news every day, this is what we can do now. If you live by what the news tells you, you're in trouble. We are not evolving. God's church is not an evolving church. What he said yesterday stands true today, and it's going to stand tomorrow. It's not going to change. This new morality is being applauded. I'm so glad the church is breaking down the walls of separation for accepting everyone and everything. I'm not against big churches. You can have just as much God in a big church as you can in a little church. But what concerns me about big churches is, is we've forsaken the truth of the Bible for a culture of relativ relativism. Just to build a big church. What good's a big church if everybody in your church is a sinner? Because that's what happens is a lot of times is big churches build big churches full of people who miss heaven. Bill Hybels, he had to go apologize to his church. Grew a church of thousands and went back and told them, said, I've raised a bunch of sinners because I, I, I failed to disciple you. Nothing is going to change until somebody with the anointing of the Holy Ghost gets angry and stands up for the work of God. Nothing's going to change until somebody lifts high the standard of holiness again. Until somebody stands and says, I rebuke sin. They can, we have to condemn the spirit of compromise that has flooded our church. We need some people that will stand behind the pulpit and call people in the church back to what this says. Back to the altar Church, this is not a place of weakness. I don't know where along the way we have gotten that coming up here and kneeling at an altar is a place of weakness. This is where you're going to get the greatest strength. And now 
we've got this mindset that just because somebody comes to the altar, they're messed up. I got news for you. You're all messed up. I'm messed up, jacked up. I mean, you ask her, she'll tell you. Isaiah's up there shaking his head. A church that falls back on her knees and, and asks for repentance. Back to righteousness, back to holiness. I mean, we don't even talk about separated and sanctified anymore. Some of y'all looking at me and say, hey, don't even know what that means. Set apart, different. Something happened in Saul that day. And I believe something is happening in some of you all right now. I hope I've stirred you, or at least made you mad. The spirit of compromise is being broken over this church. The spirit of fear is being broken over this church. I believe there is some holy boldness and courage rising in some of you. <laughs> Happy? I believe there's an anointing and a mantle that is coming on some people this morning. A righteous indignation stirring in some of us. A spirit of Elijah being released right here this morning. Church, we have to fight against this spirit of worldliness that's dominating our churches. False religion. Are there any anointed people here today that are sick and tired of what the devil is doing? Sick and tired of the devil's lies over people's lives? Sick and tired of the perversion of truth? How many sick and tired of backing up? Sick and tired of shutting up when we should be speaking up? We've held our peace long enough. We've let the devil run loose because the church, we're just, you know, we just need to be peaceful. and We're in a war. Radical. Anointed believers who could care less what anybody thinks about them. That Shelby's crazy. I tell you what. I'd rather that crazy lady pray for me than anybody. <laughs> hey, people, I've watched people watch her. And, what's wrong with her? There ain't nothing wrong with her. What's wrong with you? <laughs> How many will let God set you on fire this morning? How many is ready for a radical anointing this morning? <laughs> because of one man, he became radically anointed and angry. Jabesh Gilead was saved. 
One man, one woman can make a difference. One middle school child, one high school child can make a difference. One preschool child can make a difference. Who's going to let God anoint them this morning with a radical anointing? Who's mad at the devil? I'm done preaching. But I have a strong unction to tell some people, if you don't compromise, if you don't sell out, if you don't lower your standards, God said to tell you help is on the way. Help is on the way. Stay strong. Stay true. The remnant of their army, they were scattered, the Bible says. No two of them were together. Completely separated. God wants to scatter your enemy this morning. Who's going to join me? I'm done. Who's ready? For a radical anointing. Who's ready for a spirit of Elijah? Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. Thanks for listening with us today. We hope that you have been challenged, inspired, or God has changed you somehow or in some way by what you have heard. If you would like to learn more about Fountain of Life Worship Center, find us at our website at folwc.com, on Facebook at facebook.com folwc, or in person. If you have a prayer request that you would like us to join in praying with you, please head to our prayer page at folwc.com prayer and click the image that reads prayer request. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can go to our website, folwc.com, and click Give at the top of the page. Join us every Thursday for a new podcast. Hit subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts to keep up with our most recent podcast episode. Have a great day, and God bless you all.